Шестой, седьмой, восьмой. Hi, Kristen here, host of Tight Pants. I know you treasure the memories these old songs bring back, and I know how much you enjoy listening to them while you work or play. Just like these, from contemporary to yesteryear, guaranteed to ease you into a relaxing weekend. Don't miss tight pants every Friday from 3 to 5.30, right here on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. finally rang in the life of Margie Blake. Back from their honeymoon, she and Tim are headed for a life of wedded bliss, they think. Yes, the honeymoon is over for Tim now that he starts back to work. And it's over for Margie, too, as she enters her bright new kitchen to cook her first meal. Can she prepare those favorite dishes of Tim's just like his mother used to make? What would he like for dinner? He just loves chocolate cake. Go ahead, try one. All you have to do is follow the recipe. This is going to be easy. Let's see, what's next? 
It says, cream butter until soft and smooth. Cream the butter? Better get the cream. That's right, pour it in. The recipe says cream the butter, so put in lots of cream. Just look at that silky smooth texture of that batter. Will Tim be surprised? Will Tim be surprised? No, Margie, your cake didn't turn out so well because you misunderstood a term in your cookbook. You'll find that your cookbook contains many terms which pertain to cooking alone. It is necessary for you to know what these terms mean before you can interpret recipes properly. To cream butter merely means to work it with an instrument until it becomes soft and smooth. There are many other terms you should know. For example, you must stir the ingredients in your chocolate cake. To stir is to mix food materials with a circular motion to secure a uniform consistency. Later, you may be required to beat egg whites stiff but not dry, or so that they hold the greatest amount of air without losing their elasticity. You may have to fold two substances together. The process of folding combines two motions, cutting vertically through the mixture and turning over repeatedly by sliding the instrument along the bottom of the bowl. The purpose of this motion is to prevent loss of air from the ingredients. In making a frosting for that same cake, you may boil a sugar syrup. To boil is to cook at such a temperature that bubbles rise continuously and break on the surface. Later, your frosting recipe may call upon you to perform the test for the soft ball stage. This is performed by adding a few drops of the substance to very cold water. If the drops form soft balls that can easily be flattened with the fingers, the material is at the soft ball stage, or a temperature of 235 degrees Fahrenheit. The frosting may have to be beaten. This may be done with an electric mixer. To beat by hand is to make a mixture smooth or to introduce air by using a brisk, regular motion that lifts the mixture over and over. The making of this cake and the frosting on it involve the terms cream, stir, fold, boil, soft ball stage, and beat. Almost all bread and roll recipes call for kneading the dough. To knead means to manipulate with a pressing motion, accompanied by folding and stretching. In cooking meats, other terms are used. Less tender cuts of meat may best be cooked by stewing. When applied to meats, this means to add a small amount of water and simmer until tender. To simmer is to cook in water just below the boiling point or at a temperature of approximately 185 to 195 degrees Fahrenheit. Other cuts of meat might be cooked by braising. First, the meat must be dredged. To dredge simply means to coat with flour, cornmeal, or other fine substance. Your recipe will usually tell you what should be used. Next, you must brown the meat. This is done by cooking in a small amount of fat until brown. Be sure to brown the meat on both sides. 
The third step in braising is to add water and cook by simmering. So you see that the term braise includes three other terms, dredge, brown, and simmer. Of course, braising is only one of the many, many ways in which we can cook meats. One of the most popular is roasting. The terms roast and bake mean the same thing, to cook by dry heat. But before you actually start to roast the meat, you may sear it. This is done by the short application of intense heat and causes the surface of the meat to turn brown in color. It is done to improve the flavor and appearance, but does cause greater loss of juice. The oven temperature should then be reduced to proceed with the roasting. Suppose Margie's cookbook told her to marinate the vegetables before preparing the salad. Would she know what to do? To marinate means simply to saturate the food with a marinade. A marinade is an oil-acid mixture, which is usually a kind of salad dressing. The mixture is usually allowed to stand in the refrigerator for some time. Sometime during your career as a cook, you'll decide to serve scalloped cauliflower. This involves even more terms. A white sauce should be made first, and the first step is to scald the milk or to heat it to a temperature just below the boiling point. While the milk is heating, add flour to melted fat in amounts called for by your recipe. Stir rapidly to prevent the formation of lumps. Scalding is complete when a scum forms on the surface of the milk. Add the milk slowly, again stirring constantly to avoid lumps. Notice the scum which indicates the milk has been scalded. Meanwhile, the cauliflower must be boiled until tender. Put alternate layers of boiled cauliflower, grated cheese and white sauce in a greased baking dish. A layer of breadcrumbs on top if desired and bake in a moderate oven until brown in color. So you see in this case, the term scallop includes the other terms, white sauce, scald, boil, and bake. One of the real tests of a cook is their jelly making, and the crucial point in making jelly of any kind is in knowing when it is cooked. A jelly test indicating a temperature of 220 degrees Fahrenheit is frequently used. One of the satisfactory jelly tests is the sheet from a spoon test. This is performed by allowing a small amount of the juice to drop off a spoon. When the last two drops run together and sheet from the spoon, the jellying stage is reached. The jelly should be removed from the fire at once. These are only a few of the terms you will have to use and understand. How can you learn the others? Well, most good cookbooks have a glossary of terms in the appendix. Let's see if Margie's cookbook has one. Yes, even Margie's cookbook has a glossary. Cream. To soften a fat with a spoon or bigger, you also to combine the softened fat with sugar. If she had only looked at this before she baked that cake, but wait a minute. 
There's still time to bake another cake before Tim comes home to lunch. It'll be right this time, and he'll never know the difference. Yes, even Margie found that she could learn to cook when she discovered the significance of the terms used in cooking. And Tim will never know she ruined her first cake. As you've probably noticed, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. It's 6.42 by our digital clock. That was a, uh, obviously, a film soundtrack about cooking terms and what they mean. I want to thank Ed Special for laying this uh, raw material on me so I could uh, give it to you raw. Marinating in a, uh, an aspic composed largely of string quartet number 13 by Dmitry Sostakovich. We will now experience a couple of more soundtracks. These have their own music, so I'll just leave them alone, more or less. Uh, we'll have an update on good table manners and good eating habits. Are you ready? Good. Face the music at eight. I hope you got something good to eat tonight. Hi, ma'am. The coach really gave us a workout. Oh boy, ham! I'm so hungry I could eat up. I knew to see what he gave us to do. Chuck, huh? Could you serve yourself in a in a less athletic manner? Oh. Is this better? Chuck. At least you could manage to be on time. After your mother goes to all the trouble to prepare a fine meal, it's... It's only common courtesy, Chuck. I know, but I couldn't help it. I was late home from school. Never mind. He did wash up and brush his hair. By the way, Chuck, I saw Barbara's mother downtown. That's quite a supper party she's planning. Mm. Is it this Friday? I'm not going. Why not? Do I have to have a reason? But all your friends will be there. Chuck, don't talk with your mouth full. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We have to come to an agreement here. Every time that guy yells Chuck, or every time he says Chuck, because he seems to be ramping it up, anytime you hear the name Chuck, I want you to scream Chuck as loud as you can back at it, okay? Let's proceed. Uh, the word is Chuck. Good night, Chuck. Good night. Have a good time. Thank you, Chuck. Night good night. Time. Oh, who wants to go to a supper party? 
You do, Chuck. Huh? Who are you? We're looking into the future, Chuck. I am the young man you are going to be in a few short years. Well, if you say so. And take it from me. When we're my age, we won't be turning down invitations. Well, maybe not. Tell me, why aren't you going? I don't know. I do. You're worried about not doing the right thing. Your table manners. Now you're talking like Mom and Dad. Look, you may not care much about table manners now, but when you grow up to be me, then you'll care. But why? Why does it matter? For several reasons. Look, maybe I can show you. Let's imagine the family at dinner with nobody minding his manners. <laughs> not very pretty, is it? Each person busy feeding his face, showing no consideration for the others. People become irritated, angry. No one can enjoy a meal like this. No. Meal time is a time for pleasure and relaxation. It's the best opportunity the family has to talk together, exchange bits of news, make plans. When everybody eats properly, the meal goes better, and everybody has more fun. What's more, when we relax and enjoy ourselves, we digest our food better. And ask your doctor if that isn't important to your health. But there's more. What's that? How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess. And whatever you do, wherever you go, you'll want to put your best foot forward. Here, let's try another trick. Let's change that to a table in a restaurant. You're taking a girl out to dinner. To make a good impression, you must know what to do. Who seats the girl? When you sit? How to order your meal? Of course, the girl wants to know these things too, in order to show herself at her best. Then you must know how to eat your meal. And the only way to have good table manners when you want them is to practice them regularly at home. Get in the habit of eating properly, so it just comes naturally. Or take another case. Say you're having lunch with your boss. Say he's thinking about somebody to fill a good position that's opening up. Well, put yourself in the boss's place. Would you give the job to a fellow like this? Or to a fellow who thinks that table manners are silly? You see what I mean about putting your best foot forward? Table manners are important, because people judge many things about you just by the way you eat. All right, maybe so, but it's, it's also complicated. Is it? Look, there's nobody here. Let's try it out. What do you mean? Come on. Besides, that supper party sounds good. If we know what to do, I think we'll want to go. Well... Look sharp now. There. There is a place setting properly arranged. It looks all right, but... What am I supposed to do? That's the question. Well, what would you do if you sat down to dinner and found three forks, like this? I'd probably end up with one left over and wonder what I did wrong. Not if you remember one simple rule. Always use silverware from the outside in. So, starting from the outside, use this for your salad, this for your main course, and this... Why, that one must be for the dessert. You see? It's easy. But there's something funny here. Doesn't the butter knife belong here? Well, the book says either place. 
And speaking of the book, it wouldn't hurt you to use one sometime and check up on any points that you're not sure of. Sure, we have some books in school, but I'll have to be careful who sees me reading it. <laughs> Don't worry, you can manage that. And now to use these things. Let's have some food. Say, it's too bad you've just eaten. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Things will be easier if you'll remember that in eating, there are three kinds of food. Finger foods, fork foods, and spoon foods. Now, clean, dry foods, bread is one of them, are finger foods. But when you have something that's messy or sticky, you better use a fork. Yeah, like a cream puff? That's the idea. Now, fork foods include meats, potatoes, vegetables, salads, and many others. There's a right way to hold a fork, and this is it. Don't put onto your fork any more than one mouthful of food. Oh yes, after you've placed food on your fork, if you decide to talk, lay it down until you're ready to eat. It looks better. And this is the way to park a fork, after you've used it. Not propped up on the edge of the plate, huh? That's the idea. Here, now you try it. Okay. Now, with some fork foods, we need a knife. Let's see how you use it. The folks say I do it wrong. Hey, that's not only the wrong way, it's the hard way. Here, try this. Put the ends of both the handles in the palms of your hands, like that. Hold the meat with your fork and cut the meat. Don't tear it apart. See, this is better. You see, good table manners are just common sense. Is that right? Yes, that's the way most people in America handle their knife and fork. We don't have to worry with the European method. But now, after you've finished eating... I have. You place your knife and fork this way, to show that you have finished. But what about spoon foods? Oh, yes. All right. How do you manage soup? Hi, you don't fool me on this one. You never tip the bowl, and you dip the soup away from you. Not too much in the spoon, and you eat from the side of the spoon. Precisely. And now, would you care for some turnips? Oh, turnips. You know I can't bear... Um, no, thank you. That's the idea, Chuck. Courtesy, consideration for others, common sense. That's what table manners are. You mean that's all there is to table manners, just what we've talked about? Oh, no. But you already know a great deal. And you can learn still more by watching mother and dad and other people who have good manners. But the main thing is... The main thing is is to practice at home so that table manners will come naturally and I won't have to think about them when I'm out. You can't miss. Oh, let's do the dishes. Mother should see that. Well, Chuck, are we going to that party? Sure we are. We are? That's right, Chuck. We are going to the party. You can't see me any longer, but remember, I'm the fellow you're going to be. So I'm interested in seeing that you always make a good impression. This really isn't hard, is it? You know what to do. That's right. Ladies first into the dining room. And now what? Right again. Find your place and remain standing. 
Did you? Were you in science when the white mice got loose? Oh, I remember them. You see, Chuck, it's easy to do the right thing if you remember courtesy, consideration of others, and common sense. They didn't have to get up on the table. Oh, goodness. And also remember, you're here not to see how much or how fast you can eat, but to have a good time. Yeah. Well, our boy is doing all right. Don't you think so? Don't you think you can do the same? It's fun to eat supper with your family, especially when there is good food on the table. Healthy bodies, they are good foods to eat. Father is certainly enjoying his supper. So is Carol, so is mother. Just look at that plate. Aren't you feeling well, Bill? Aren't you hungry? What can be the matter? After supper, it's fun to play a while before bed. But there's still something wrong, isn't there, Bill? In a moment, you'll know what it is. Yes, Bill, you're getting a stomach ache. You have a stomach ache, it isn't any fun to play. There it is again. Poor Bill. What now? We'll soon know, because here comes Mother. Mother can tell right away that Bill isn't feeling well. So, what happens next? Yes, Bill's put to bed to get some rest. Now, why does Bill have a stomach ache? He didn't eat anything bad today, did he? Well, perhaps it wasn't what he ate, but the way he ate it. Why, even this morning, Mother was a little worried. Let's go back to this morning and see how Bill's stomach ache might have happened. Bill wasn't at breakfast on time this morning. You see, he didn't get up when Father first called him. Oh, Bill got to the table, and he ate his breakfast, or rather, part of it. Orange juice, one big gulp of it. Milk for the cereal, splash it on. No time to waste. Gobble down the cereal, a couple of big spoonfuls, one right after the other. But leave most of it. Now for the eggs. More good, healthful food. But what about Bill's eating habits? Into his mouth went some egg. Right away, a big bite of toast. And there was some bacon, so he stuffed in part of that. And then, just one big splash of milk. And Bill was off to school. Well, he caught up with his family. And he beat them through breakfast. But he ate so fast. And do you think he ate enough? At lunchtime, Bill had some fine sandwiches. He also had money to buy soup. But he didn't want to stand in line for soup. He was in a hurry to go out and play. So, how did Bill eat his lunch? Watch. After school, of course, Bill was hungry. He was hungry and he had some money. So, but did Bill leave his pop and candy only half eaten? No, sir. He emptied that pop bottle as fast as he could. 
He gobbled down all his candy. And, as if that wasn't enough, he ate some cookies, too. Then Bill didn't feel hungry anymore. No, sir. For once, he had eaten too much. At supper time, Bill still felt full. So he didn't hurry with his supper. He just poked at it. He was tired. And he just didn't have any appetite. Bill didn't know it, but he was already beginning to be sick. Well, Bill, now you know what might have caused your stomach ache. Why you feel so bad. Why you'll have to stay in bed until you feel better. You see, you hurried so all day long. You rushed through your meals and didn't eat enough good food. And then, in the afternoon, all those sweets. They filled your stomach and didn't leave room for any of the foods you need. In fact, Bill, you mistreated your stomach all day long. No wonder you have a stomach ache. How is it this morning, Bill? Feel better? Think you know now about good eating habits? Downstairs in time for breakfast. Give yourself time to eat a good breakfast. Let's see how well you can eat. That's right. Drink your juice a little at a time. Doesn't it taste good? You just never took time before to find how good food can taste. Mother is pleased and proud. We're off to a good start this morning. But will it last? Will you remember to eat the right way? Uh-oh, almost washed your food down. Before you take a drink, chew your food well and swallow it. Now you're eating pretty well. Will you do as well with the bacon and eggs and toast? Chew your toast thoroughly. That's the way. Chew and chew. Doesn't it taste extra good that way? What about that bacon? Well, maybe there are better ways to cut it. But when you eat it in small bits, you can chew it better. It tastes so good, you want to eat every bite. Breakfast is more fun this way, isn't it? Well, Bill, plenty of time to get to school today. And in class, studying seems easier. What? 11 o'clock? Usually, you're mighty hungry by this time. Today, today, you feel fine. Lunchtime is another time to practice good eating habits. Eat slowly and chew thoroughly. Finish all your food. Later on, drink lots of water. After school, that's the idea, Bill, a good snack of crackers and milk at home. That's the good kind of food if you're hungry after school. And then, play. Hard play. Plenty of pep now. Yesterday's stomach ache is forgotten. At supper time, you're hungry again. Everything tastes good, and you're eating well. See what good eating habits can do for you? After supper, you feel fine. No stomach ache, not too tired, not hungry. Just feeling fine. Isn't that nice? This is such a nice radio station. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. We're the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement. It's experimental radio from the University of Michigan, run by students with lots and lots of community involvement. And over the past half hour, I've been filling in for Mike Perini, Pandora's Lunchbox. We've heard a series of uh, those marvelous, irritating historical film soundtracks given to me by Dr. Ed Space Shuttle. Um, Dr. Ed Special, he'll be in with Special Ed one hour from now at 8 o'clock. 
Um, you just heard good eating habits. It was also good table manners and cooking terms and what they mean. We throw in some music from Dmitry Sostakovich, also a version of Carolina in the Morning played by Red Nichols and his Five Pennies. Now it's time for Face the Music. I would like to propose...